welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. Welcome to the program on this January 2nd in the year of our Lord, 2021. I woke up today with a rare remembered dream, and it was a scary one. It was about some faceless marauder trying to break into a an office where I happened to be. Don't know what it was an office of. There was maybe one or two other people in the office and this person was trying to break in and I was pushing the door shut and not having great success as he was edging back inwards. And finally, I was able to shut the door and the crazy man was outside. Then there was a time shift where the guy was being evaluated by doctors. And the next thing I heard before I woke up was that he was going to be released because it was not thought he was a danger to anyone. Okay, very clearly an anxiety dream. The thing that's really strange about it from my perspective is that when I woke up, I wasn't distressed. In fact, I felt pretty relaxed, as if I had had a wonderful dream, which seemed a contradiction given the content of the dream itself. The other thing that came to mind, possibly because the actors in what essentially were 1930s and 40s serials are being accused of cultural appropriation, was something that most of you probably have never heard of, Flash Gordon, which was about an American hero battling the forces of evil in space, and in particular, someone called Ming the Merciless from the planet Mong. Even I'm not old enough to have seen the originals, but I do recall them being on television when I was a kid. The kids in real time when they were first watching the original productions, loved them because they'd go to the movie theaters and at the end there would always be a cliffhanger. You never knew what was going to happen to our hero and how he was going to conquer the dangers of the universe around him. Who knew that I, you, would be living in real life serials? That's S-E-R-I-A-L, not C-E-R-E-A-L. I've been trying to bar the door, if you will, against all the things that the news, both the traditional media and social media, are pushing through the door, but it's not possible. And unlike a Saturday serial, can't get up and walk away and correctly say, well, that's not real, as I'm recording another, not a serial, but a movie comes to mind called The Andromeda Strain which was made, I think, in the 70s. And it comes to mind because we've heard in the last few days that not only are we seeing more cases of COVID-19, but that the virus is mutating and therefore is becoming less able to be under control. And we are being corrected in any thought that the people who were unfortunately affected were people who were older or people with comorbidities, but in fact, 
that it is just as rampant among those who are young and healthy. Some people think it's true. Some people think it's not true. People are definitely experiencing the loss of relatives and friends. There is no barring the psychic door against this stuff. This is our reality. It was the reality at the end of 2020. It is the reality at the beginning of 2021. A couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast on pain and suffering, though I rarely actually ever feel optimistic. I did as I seem to do in these podcasts, and truly, I'm not pretending. I came to an optimistic conclusion from an intellectual point of view. I mean, I concluded, as is in the nature of the theology of suffering, in the simplistic way I understand it, effectively that whether one believes in God or not, suffering, and what we're all going through is a form of suffering, is a fact to be reckoned with, and the Christian believes that the once meaningless reality of suffering was truly transfigured by the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God made man who took all suffering upon himself and walked through the door of resurrection so that we could do the same if we believe in him. Because of him, suffering and death no longer have dominion over we once physically and spiritually doomed human beings. So here we are in the middle of a worldwide pandemic that doesn't seem to be getting better despite the hope of a vaccine, which itself doesn't necessarily mean that it's over. People are virulently debating whether any of this is real, but of course it's real to anyone who's lost someone, or part of something that I'm now hearing about called the Great Reset, that is a group, a large group of people taking over the rest of us. But you know what? For purposes of this broadcast, it doesn't matter because little us have no control one way or the other of the reality. I'm hearing the phrase in my head that I remember from my childhood that seems to be getting renewed interest in Catholic circles, or maybe I'm just noticing it again. It wasn't ever said by my parents when I was a kid, but it was said by the nuns and more religious lay people. Whenever something bad, usually in our little child lives, would happen, the Catholic adult would say, offer it up. I do remember getting a pamphlet with the morning offering, which went and still goes as follows. My God, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Son's sacred heart, for the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, and the reunion of Christians. So, each day we were and remain encouraged to begin our days offering everything we are and have and happens to us, including our suffering, to God. For while the act of Jesus Christ in dying and rising has reconciled the world, there is still something each of us must do in order to be with him again in paradise. We have to follow him through that which we cannot control. We have to suffer. That will never change. But the nature of suffering has changed and 
our disposition to that suffering is the key, our cooperation with God's will. In fact, our act of suffering in union with him arguably brings other souls who have the same choice to make to cooperate with him. I don't think I paid much attention to the phrase as a child, truth be told, and clearly I wasn't attuned to the idea when I was a lapsed Catholic for 13 years. And I didn't hear it much when I returned to the faith, probably given the trend in Catholicism more toward good feeling than tolerating anything bad in one's life. But as I see the leadership of the Catholic Church resembles more the one that caved into the whims of Henry VIII and see how being careful and safe and not rocking the boat seems to be a similar direction now that anyone who speaks of moral objective truths or accepting and offering suffering is considered a fool, the phrase, quote, offer it up, keeps nagging at me. Add to that that nationally and worldwide we're being told, and I suppose it's always been true, but we've only become aware of it as a world and a nation suddenly, recently, that death is ever knocking on our door. And as I and most of us have absolutely no control over how the crisis is addressed, the only thing that seems to come to mind at this point is offer it up. I mean, in between the fear, the rage, of being like a poor tiger in a cage pacing back and forth without escape. Offer it up may be the only go-to reality, but that doesn't mean I'm sanguine about either the phrase or the reality it manifests. In fact, the subjective truth is that with everything going on, I still resist it, whatever my intellectual understanding might be. Here's an example of my personal fight. I've mentioned it, I'm pretty sure. I have a picture above my bed of the face of Christ. It's a close-up of the full crucifix, a facsimile of the San Damiano type crucifix that is in my church and was used in a Franco Zeffirelli movie, Brother Sun, Sister Moon, about the life of St. Francis. I love that face, usually, because Small though the picture itself is, the eyes of Christ seem to follow me wherever I am in the room. It isn't an unpleasant feeling. In fact, the eyes of the man crucified on the tree are so kind and strangely so at peace in his suffering, and that peace is mostly often pleasant company. I wish I could say that I am usually at peace. My disposition is up and down. It's always been that way. There are events, even though I have in my life handled most of them despite myself, and probably with the grace of God, whether I recognized it or not, where I have felt much like that trapped animal. It doesn't matter whether those events were small or large to some outside observer. To me, they were overwhelming, physical or psychological or emotional and there have been recent times, particularly in this last year, when I looked at that picture and into those peaceful eyes representing the crucified Lord, that the very idea of offering anything up wasn't just difficult, but literally felt impossible. Here I am, 
I think, a long time practicing Catholic, and it seems that all this practice has been for naught. It is so hard to explain. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't. It isn't even about thought or feeling. It's about reflex. I can't seem to get past whatever it is that resists even the thought to offer it up. I said it was resistance, but it doesn't feel as if I'm trying to resist. It feels like I've hit an impenetrable wall. It's funny how when I get focused on the potential subjects of this podcast, or when I get focused on the idea of anything, all sorts of references to the very same subjects seem to pop up all around me. I just picked up the Angelus, the local Los Angeles Catholic magazine for the period from Christmas till the first of the next year, well, first of now, this year, and there were several articles that crystallized my personal dilemma. One was an article by Heather King, who writes regularly for the magazine, called, quote, Notes from the Coast, an invitation to find real victories in the new year that awaits. One of the questions she asks related to our communal problems, the condition of the world, is, did you bear your cross with even a smidgen of equanimity? Let's pause for a moment. I know my answer. You know my answer based upon what I've just said for the last 12, 13 minutes. What's yours? I know that there are many people who are my spiritual betters, past and present. And maybe they're doing a lot better than I am. Another article I ran across in the Angelus, the same Angelus, was about Cardinal George Pell, who was accused of sexual misconduct that factually could not have possibly been committed, yet for which he was convicted and spent over 400 days in jail in Australia until an appeals court voted 7-0 to zero, and in that country not disposed to such an accused that he was not guilty. Reading his rendition of his experience, he seems to have offered his unjust suffering up each day. He might well have modeled many souls to salvation by showing them the way to cooperate with God in the midst of terrible suffering. That he bore his cross? No doubt. Did he do it with equanimity? I don't know. Another thing I read, which will no doubt be mocked because it was posted by the White House with a proclamation with regard to St. Thomas a Becket, who was martyred 850 years ago for the faith by his best friend, King Henry II, because he would not submit to the king's worldly wishes, but to God's only. He saw his assassins coming while he was celebrating Mass. He bore the ultimate cross of having his head hacked by swords like his Savior. Did he have equanimity? I don't know, but we know his suffering and death was heroic. Heather King quotes a French woman named Madeleine de Brel, with regard to the suffering of the crosses we bear. The quote, In fact, it is through our small sufferings that we are given a marvelous means of putting the vast expanse of suffering in the world to good use and making it fruitful. Has it ever occurred to us, so fond of news as we are and so swift in interpreting it, whether with joy or gloom, have we ever thought that the fact of botching a small part of our allotted daily suffering 
whether it be by getting up with bad grace in the morning, by turning up our noses at insipid food, or simply by cursing the numbing cold, is of greater significance to the real victory of the world than the current disaster or victory reported on the radio? I'll tell you what I liked about that quote. That, it sounds like, equanimity isn't required. And if equanimity isn't required, then maybe I'm in the ballpark. What I can tell you about myself, and maybe this is true of others, but I can't speak here for anyone else, is that I am in a fight right now. I think that the truth is, I've always been in a fight. Maybe most of us are in the same fight. There are, the way I'm saying it, three parts to offering it up. First, to bear what we are offering. To then bring that suffering to God for the benefit of other souls. And then the third part, to do so with equanimity in the calm of the peace of our Lord. The quote from the French woman quoted by Heather King suggests, and I have to say happily because I don't ever have it, is that equanimity might not be required, but only the first two of the triumvirate parts that works for me because I can't think I've done anything in my life with equanimity. I'm too high strung for that. To bear what is before me, to live life, is to bear its sufferings, as I said earlier, whether one believes in God or the meaning he proffers or not. So I guess at least so far I have done that. But what I have clearly failed far too often to do because of, let's call it fear, for I think it's fear, and despite my practice of my faith and a too deep attachment to the world and its opinions and a terror of being hurt in the myriad ways other human beings can hurt you, no matter how good your intention nor your mission or goal is to offer it to him for those intentions he asks. I don't avoid the suffering, as it happens, by failing to offer it up. There is, in truth, nothing to resist because it's a fact. I guess what I have to do is to ignore what I feel, which is the desire to run, which is the reason I don't offer up the suffering. I have to remember that I'm a thinking animal, not purely instinct. I have to fight my instinct, whatever I feel. It's not enough to practice my faith in ordinary prayer, but to practice the act of offering it up. Perhaps then one day, if I do it enough, one day when I am looking into those eyes on the picture above my bed, he will bless me with that equanimity I say I earnestly want. It's more than a want. It's a need, almost itself a survival need, both physically and spiritually, if that makes any sense. The key is to act as if. Perhaps the very first thing is to say in the morning, as I look at that picture and his tender eyes gazing back at me, is to say the prayer I have known of all my life, but have rarely said, My God. I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Son's sacred heart, for the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, 
and the reunion of Christians. It doesn't matter whether I feel it or not. It's what I must do. In the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned that dream that I had had, not a very pleasant dream, in which somehow, despite the fact that I was trying to bar a door against a marauder, I still woke up feeling relatively refreshed. And that seems a mystery to me, or did, when I first began this podcast. But now, in light of the prayer, something becomes somewhat clear to me. Maybe if I keep saying that prayer every morning, maybe one day, perhaps sooner rather than later with his grace, I will mean the prayer I'm voicing. But if I wait until I feel what I voice, I will do nothing. And that could be, no, it would be fatal to my soul. So, I hope that anybody out there who is having my trouble will not wait to, quote, offer it up until he or she has equanimity. Do it because he asks you to. As his mother said at Cana, do whatever he tells you. He will protect me. He will. Lord, you will, won't you, protect us from the murmurings of the devil? He is a powerful creature, but he is only a creature and God has dominion over him and of all. It would be nice if the next few days of this new year brings us some good news, something to help us get over this terrible nine to ten month period. But if it doesn't, let's just remember to pray. Keep praying again no matter what we feel and on a happier note perhaps perhaps if you like what you're hearing on this program please go on to podbean.com's site and follow me as i say every week it gives me encouragement and i hope you want to encourage me have a good week <laughs>